All right. Well, welcome to Quick Show. This is uh, an episode where I'm, I'm in the middle of uh, final preparations for a presentation that I'm giving in Provo and in Salt Lake later this week. And as I'm going through this, a part of what I, I believe I'm going to insert, because it's a largely LDS audience, is one of the interpreters that I use actually in my scripture study system, uh, the interpreters, the quick interpreters, that applies very specifically to the idea of, let's say, a leftist utopia or a Marxian utopia. Also, it would be a, a right-wing utopia in many cases. But this is specifically about a, a left-wing uh, Marxian uh, type of utopia that is in direct conflict with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And not only not, not superficially, right? We're talking about the core doctrine of Christ. And we're talking about core doctrines of the gospel. And what I'm going over here are, are very much core doctrines of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you'll see as I move through this how you might recognize some of it I'm articulating something that's not often articulated uh, in our theology, but uh, it's there and it's obvious to some, and it is doctrinal. Now, this is has to do with a progression. This has to do with our own growth, and it has to do with the priesthood. The filter that I'm talking about, the quick interpreter that I'm going to use here, is the four phases of the priesthood for men and women. And uh, it applies to both men and women here. It has nothing to do with the priesthood bearers. It has to do with the priesthood itself. So let me bring you over here to a, for those of you who are on video, you'll be able to see this. Uh, this is a diagram here of the four phases of the priesthood. And you'll see here that there are, I start at the bottom here. The number, the first phase is agency, right? It is our choice. It's what makes us an individual. It's one. Of, it's the primary thing, the core thing that makes each of us an individual. It is agency. And when you think about things that become a movement that are of a collective nature, primarily, it it, it can be very much the opposite of agency. If you think of a godless filter to our worldview, then you think we are simply a clump of cells and that agency really doesn't truly exist. So the very fact of agency is tied directly in with an existence of God and a plan that would be in place, not to mention of growth itself. Without agency, there is no growth so agency is the first phase, and I'm going to show you how we get to a, a, the opposite of a Marxian utopia here. The second step, the second phase here is speech. Now, I call it speech, but really it's, it, we can expand on that much more. It's, it's speech. It is expression. It would be behavior, your own behavior. And even preaching, right? Giving the word, as I talk about a lot in my podcast, 
on the scriptural side, the, the DBR, being able to express uh, ideas and thoughts and having an open structure to be able to do that is, is very important. And that's the second phase of the priesthood. The icon to this would be John the Baptist preaching repentance in the desert. He is the icon of the Aaronic priesthood. These two phases here, agency number one, speech slash behavior number two, are Aaronic priesthood phases. In my estimation, the Aaronic priesthood could be called also the priesthood of the individual. I'll get more on that. I'll, I'll get to more on that in, in just a bit. So as we go through these phases of the priesthood in our journey uh, through mortality, let's say, start with our agency. We think about being baptized, right? And, and it's our agency. We, we take on a personal responsibility, a personal responsibility. And then it's a matter of how do we express that? What is our speech? What is our behavior? What is our character that is built out of that? And you say, well, Greg, where are you pulling this from? It is all doctrinal. I'm not going to have time to go over this. We're going to be more extensive on this perhaps in another podcast. I do also have, I have covered this maybe a couple of years ago, maybe. I did dedicate a, a podcast episode to the four phases of the priesthood. So I'll put that in the description box, a link, a link to that. Now, moving beyond that then, from our agency to, to speech and behavior, we now move on outside of ourselves, which is a must. So we have to remain as an individual. We never let that go. We never let the ironic priesthood go, right? We, we, we do, however, move beyond it and add upon that individualism out beyond ourselves. This is important. Phase three of the four phases of the priesthood is family. So in order to have family, to be sealed in the temple, to, be, to have a, an eternal marriage, right? You, you, you have to go through the temple, <laughs> Right, and you're you're going to be endowed, and you're going to go through all the phases of the priesthood, and you're going to, um, your the the priesthood bearer, the man, will have to have the Melchizedek priesthood, and in order to go and and be endowed, and and or rather to, well, he has to be Melchizedek priesthood to be endowed, but he has to, um, to be married right? He, he has to hold the Melchizedek priesthood. And so this is expanding beyond, both for men and women, beyond yourself individually. And let me back up for a second here as, as, as I look, go, look at going between the, the Aaronic and the Melchizedek priesthoods here. We make a, a big, 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 big mistake in, in our culture, in Latter-day Saint culture, in saying that the Aaronic priesthood is the preparatory priesthood and then combine it with the idea that it's the preparatory priesthood because it prepares young men to receive the Melchizedek priesthood. No, no, no. That is false. That is absolutely false. 
That is a cultural fallacy. The preparatory priesthood has nothing to do with the priesthood bearer. It has to do with who the priesthood serves and what the purpose of the priesthood is. Men and women both pass through these phases. Men and women both need to work with the duties and the thought process and the growth of the Aaronic priesthood as individuals before they can move beyond into the Melchizedek priesthood and move into family, right? The preparatory priesthood is there to prepare you for the Melchizedek priesthood functions and phases, not to prepare you to be the bearer of the Melchizedek priesthood. We need to get rid of that. We really need to get rid of that because it removes the entire idea of what the priesthood is. It is a prep, the Aaronic priesthood is a preparatory priesthood that all men and women must pass through those phases. Think of your temple experience before you can go on to the Melchizedek priesthood phases. Right, so it's preparing you. Think of it this way. I, I talk about the the uh, um, the the royal procession. It's another one of my interpreters, right? And so you have a uh, you have Christ coming in in the last week of his life. He comes in from the east gate. He's on a donkey. Solomon did the exact same thing. They they're talking about him as the king of the Jews. He's coming in in a royal procession. What would we be doing as far as preparing for the king, the Melchizedek, to come in to the temple? Because that's where he's going. That's where Solomon went, right, for, to be coronated. You would prepare the way. What way? The way of kings. You're going to clear the path. You're going to get rid of the stumbling blocks. That is a metaphor for us to prepare ourselves to receive the blessing of the King of Kings, of Christ. And it's a, it's a metaphor for us to clear the path, prepare the way for us to receive the Melchizedek Priesthood and go through the Melchizedek Priesthood phases. This all leads to a utopia here. I'll show you where this goes. So the preparatory priesthood is to prepare the way what way? The way of the king, the way for Christ to come in and for us to emulate him as kings and queens, right? And priests and priestesses. The third phase then is family. We move beyond ourselves and we create these ceilings to bind ourselves one to another as families. It's no longer just about ourselves. And then Step four, phase four, is Zion. So it's moving out even further outside of our family, moving to Zion. Now we can look at Zion as a utopia. It's a type of spiritual, gospel-centered utopia, so to speak. right? But it's not dystopian. And the reason it's not dystopian, as all other utopias are, Right? All other ideas of utopia all have become dystopian. And here's the reason for that. Right, It's because when you try to create 
Zion or or a perverted version of this and into a utopia or liberation, right, of all man, all obstacles for man. Free expression completely for yourself and 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 combine yourself in with a collective of others that are the same. Here's what happens. In order to do that and and create this this utopia, this temporal carnal utopia, you must first get rid of agency. Phase one. Think about how tyrannies work. Think about these 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 these, these the, all of these ideas of utopia of of man made utopia are all based in tyranny. They have to be because they're shortcuts. They are shortcuts. They are saying, "Hey, we are going to bypass." Phases one, two, and three, and we are going straight to utopia, straight to Zion. That's what these political movements are all about. We can create this utopia without the other effort, without the individualism, without the effort of repentance and and assimilating ourselves to truth and to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the doctrine of Jesus Christ. So what happens with tyranny is they have to force these first three phases out, ultimately. They don't always get rid of them 100%. That's impossible. But they try very hard to get rid of these things. They must. And that's why, because they skip these first three to go to phase four, the tyranny exists because they haven't gone through the natural process of everybody aligning to truth to get to utopia. Right? They might say, well, we want to include everybody no matter what. Well, that doesn't work because it requires choice, which requires personal responsibility, which requires the per- the right character and the right choices and the right behavior. So you have to get rid of those. If you're going to skip it, the second one you get rid of is speech. Does that sound familiar? How about the Marxian utopias of the 20th century and going into the 21st century? This is what they do. They're going to get rid of agency. They're going to stifle it as best they can and and force you into this collective lockstep view of the world. They're going to get rid of speech as best they can unless it is their speech right? New speak. Unless it is the speech that they want that ties into their Zion, into their utopia. And then, of course, all of these uh, uh, movements in the past and today fight against the idea of family. And we see that today going on with the Marxian movements that are happening with identitarianism and critical social justice. It, it is the, the identitarianism breaks down the individual and their personal identity, and it breaks down the relationship through identities within a traditional family, a nuclear family. The whole idea of patriarchy and bringing down the patriarchy, the whole idea of, of fighting against marriage between a man and a woman. The idea of, of severing the relationships between children and their parents. And the idea of dissolving any kind of, 
identity or definition of individuals and gender is all the same thing, right? It's all, it's breaking down all of these things here. And all of these movements do the same thing. You can try, you can track this from Marx up through Gramsci, up through the, the, the critical theorists in the Frankfurt School, Marcusa, and up through critical race theory, and today with critical social justice and identitarianism. They all are after these three things, right? And because they're going to create a new liberated uh, utopia, but it can't work. It can never work because these first three phases have been pushed to the side. You can only build Zion with those first three phases. You can never get rid of individualism in your own choice. You can never get rid of speech and, and, and character, right? Because you won't be able to, you won't, that utopia is going to fall apart. You can't get rid of family. Family is the building block of civilization and of the eternities. So looking at this, right, and you think about critical social justice and the movement that it is, this Marxian hard left uh, movement that works through the ideas of a perverted compassion of a, or a misplaced compassion or a misplaced justice, a certain type of justice that pushes away from the doctrine of Christ and wants to create Christ more as a liberator, That's, and the church more as a personal, individual liberator, not of sin, but of oppression. That's what these movements do. They see this idea down the road through what we would call a, a Hegelian dialectic, right, of, of this progress, of, of getting eventually to a utopia, of what uh, Hegel called an Aufgehoben, right? Was is it's a um, it's a utopian that that even Marcuse and, and the other critical theorists later on would say, you know, is this idea of liberating everything from off of you, your sexuality, uh, everything that oppresses your, you sexually, um, everything that oppresses you from being your true self, right? I'm using air quotes here. Are are all about actually identity and destroying your agency, destroying your character, destroying the family. And religion has everything to do with all three of those. So phase four is accomplished by going through phases one, two, and three, not by destroying them, not by pulling those down to get up to phase four. Anyway, just thought I would go over that. I'm going to cover that briefly, not quite as uh, theologically focused in the presentation this week, but I was just uh, adding that into the presentation right now and, and thought I would get that out for uh, an episode for you to contemplate on. And by the way, these four phases are not just to be looked at through the lens of politics and through the lens of a, uh, um, you know, a worldview, so to speak, a political worldview or ideologies. They have many applications, but this is an important one, especially in our time. This is a very important thing to, to it, once you grasp this and you see this, you can contrast it with these ideologies, these pernicious ideologies that want to pull 
these things down. They are anti-gospel and they are anti-doctrine of Christ. Thanks for listening.